Welcome to the Indian Prairie Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Jovany, Director of Innovation. And Candy Michelli, Director of Professional Learning. In today's episode, we are excited to welcome our Chief School Business Official, Matt Shipley, and our Director of Building and Grounds, John Robinson, to our podcast today to talk about some of the capital projects that are happening in our schools and some of the ways in which we're looking to support our schools and the learning environments that our students and teachers work in every day. So welcome to the podcast. Can you guys take a second to introduce yourself? Uh, good afternoon. I'm Matt Shipley, Chief School Business Official for Indian Prairie 204. And good afternoon. I'm John Robinson. I go by JR, and I am the Director of Building Operations for School District 204. Well, we're super excited to have both of you here today. We'd like to officially welcome JR to our 204 team and family. We're super excited that you are with us each and every day. And we know you started the year off um, kind of hitting the ground running um, with so many projects that were going on in the district at one time. Um, and you've certainly helped us all start off the school year on a very strong note. Uh, can you share a little bit about some of the projects that were completed and that are almost completed to date? Sure. Yeah, starting a, a new position at a school district in July 1 is uh, very common, but it's not the best time to start because we're right smack in the middle of the summer, and that's when most of our work goes on. So this summer, we worked on over $10 million worth of work. And much of it was on building envelope issues, things like windows and roofs and tuck pointing and other exterior work. But in addition to that, we uh, worked and upgraded some parking lots and some walkways around the district, tennis courts at Matia Valley and Nequa Valley, and the track surface at Wabanzi Valley. But specifically to the student experience, we continued work on the elementary air conditioning project that we started five years ago, and we are expected to finish up all of the air conditioning projects by completing the LMCs in the spring of 2023. Um, we also renovated the family and consumer sciences labs at Wabansi Valley and Matea Valley. I did a little silent cheer for you, JR, when you're talking about the LMCs at, at the elementary level. I know there's a lot of a lot of happy people out there at the elementary yep. world. Yep, we are too. Uh, all those projects are amazing and highlight some of the great work that's happening. And some of those things uh, don't go noticed, um, you know, but are really important when your parking lot has potholes in it, you start, you start to notice it, but it's one of those things that are really important to, you know, support our school and our system and make sure that everybody gets to school safely and has a great experience while there. So Matt, to that point, uh, in your past couple of board presentations, you've talked about some of those future capital projects and really sharing some of the vision and what that looks like moving forward. Can you talk about that vision and kind of what's upcoming for the district? Sure. The work that JR just just went through was there our first summer under what we've called our 50 million for 50 years uh, capital program. Uh, we first presented that to the Board of Education, at, I believe, in December of 2021, and we've uh, really highlighted and emphasized it uh, at every subsequent um, budget presentation or really any other opportunity I get I get to talk about it. So uh, as as a district, we've we've now made the commitment to spend $50 million on our buildings um, to address a lot of these capital needs over the next four summers. That's about in line with where a district of our size with about 4 million square feet of facilities needs to be to just maintain uh, sort of the the functional um, ability of our buildings. As you mentioned, uh, that's keeping um, roofs from leaking, that's pothole fixing potholes in our parking lots, um, doing some of our masonry work, things like that. 
Uh, traditionally, our district has spent uh, under that, and that's been for a variety variety of reasons tied to um, budget shortfalls and challenges with with our uh, state uh, state of Illinois funding. Uh, obviously, challenges related to COVID took took a summer or two where we weren't able to complete the amount of projects we wanted to do. So this is really. Uh, our first summer where we said we're we're back to investing what we need to in our facilities um i think over the next that over the next summer or two so the summer of 2023 specifically there will really be a focus on addressing deferred maintenance and addressing a lot of those building envelope issues but our hope is that as we get into sort of the second or later portion of that that 50 million dollars of funding we're really starting to to look at our facilities and, and transforming the educational experience and the educational environment we're providing to our teachers and students. Thanks, and either one of you might be able to answer this question. Um, as when you're talking about that facility assessment or facility review, um, can you share a little bit deeper um, into the process of what it looks like and what you really hope to accomplish when all of that is completed? And also, how do we gain interest and in information from students to be part of that process? Sure. So we're looking at at starting a, a what's really a two step process, and it's a it's a comprehensive program that will take us through this school year. Um, and it's, so it's going to be a focus of both JR and I's over over the next uh, six to nine months. Um, the first step is really to complete a facility assessment in each of our school buildings. And really look at the facility assessment under under four separate um, lenses, if you will. So the first is to look at the building envelope issues, so state of building systems like our HVAC system, flooring, roofing, uh, parking lots, etc. So putting together a list of of where we are in those areas, what are the needed repairs and the estimated timelines, um, remaining useful lives for those systems. Uh, the second step is to really look at our educational programming in those buildings. So that's talking with our directly with our administrators, with our teaching staff, with our students, and finding out what spaces are working in our buildings, what aren't working. Um, do we need additional space for specific programming needs? Things like STEM, um, outdoor learning spaces, additional maker spaces, areas for student collaboration, areas for one-on-one -on -one breakout. Um, we hope all those um, needs are are really identified as part of the assessment, and we're really having a lot of building-specific discussions on what those needs are or, or how our buildings are currently meeting those needs or not meeting those needs. We're gonna look at whether our um, facilities are really supporting some of the strategic plan initiatives, what what came up as part of our strategic plan, which has recently been adopted by our board. And are we, are we meeting those needs or are we falling short in some areas? Um, this educational programming lens is really where we start talking about furniture needs, um, lighting, acoustics. Um, so again, how does that room form on a day-to-day -day basis for our, for our students and teachers. Um, the third step of that facility assessment is, is going to look at security, um, making sure that our buildings are safe and secure and they support our current district uh, security practices. And then the final is, is to make sure that our plan is sustainable. So when we talk about sustainability, it, you know, is our building consistent with the long-term growth and enrollment projections that we have as a district? We did a lot of um, work, I believe, as you know, with our enrollment projections and some boundary adjustments in the last year, um, making sure that our buildings are now in, are now in place to support that that enrollment trend or their, um, those boundaries for the next uh, seven to 10 years plus. Sustainability also covers energy efficiency, making sure our buildings are, are operating efficiently. Are there areas where with some additional capital investment, we can actually save money in the long run 
by by reducing some operating costs. So that's that's uh, when we talk about that first step with a, uh, the facility assessment. That's we're, we're trying to be comprehensive and to look at all those areas, and then that's going to lead into the second step, which is really building that facility plan. So taking that data, looking at where we currently are as a district with each facility, and then build that roadmap to say, where do we want to go in each of those areas and start sketching out that that work over a, a seven to 10 year time horizon to say, what projects do we need to complete and when do we complete them? Um, and, and just to be clear, we do expect not just student involvement, but all stakeholder involvement in that process. So um, we'll be out in our schools over this winter and spring, meeting with our teachers, our administrators, um, meeting with students, again, talking through through all those those questions and specifically on the educational programming standpoint, trying to understand directly from our students what they see in our buildings that that again is meeting their needs or what can be approved. Um, you know, we recognize that our students uh, have a different lens when they look in our, our buildings than, than we do. Uh, and, and again, we recognize that our parents maybe see, see some things a little differently than we do too. So we want to do everything we can to gather that feedback um, through both that assessment and, and that master plan process. To extend that on that a little bit, and Jerry, you might be able to answer that. Uh, those priorities that you talked about, Matt, um, from some of the things that people may not always appreciate, like a roof that doesn't leak right until it leaks, or a, a, a new window, you know, with the draft. How do you balance that with the things that are visually visually seen, and like where the, you could see where the money was spent and how it impacts instruction and learning and student collaboration and all those things? How do you balance those two things to make sure that our buildings are secure, safe, and well-maintained with the things that our students are kind of looking for in their day? How do you find that balance between the two? That's a great question uh, because some of the projects we do don't have a lot of curb appeal. Right? People don't see a boiler going in or they don't see the lighting being upgraded. But you know, if you've been in schools at all for a length of time, uh, there are many studies out there that correlate the environment that we provide our students and our staff with with uh, educational excellence and if you're if you're cold or hot if it's drafty if the water dripping on you if the room smells we're not getting the proper ventilation if the lights are flickering on and off it's pretty hard to learn and teach and so the goal is you ask how do we balance it the goal is um, we're here to provide a good teaching and learning environment for students and staff. I think I read that somewhere in some website um, about some schools. And that's really what drives us. And so we want to make sure that our students are in the best environment they can be in. And that really drives what we what we do. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, I think that's a great, uh, a good why behind it all. So as we embark on this journey um, and you look across the country and the state about trends that emerge, what are you noticing? How does that impact our planning? What are all those things that kind of go into the conversation? Well, I'm going to take the first part of it because I see this question being answered two different ways. Um, there are some challenges to this question and there's some pretty exciting parts about this question. So the challenges in, in the way we look at it is first off, there are just a lot of school districts, not only just in the in area, but in the state of Illinois, but in the entire country who are making major investments in their schools. So we're competing against a lot of other schools to get work done. 
that's that's a big challenge and that challenge um is exacerbated by as we've all seen the past year and a half there's a skilled labor shortage in this country there's a material shortage in this country we have supply chain issues we have transportation problems uh, what used to take four weeks to get delivered might take 24 now so we've really moved up our schedule to allow for these challenges we're starting now versus waiting till springtime to get our contracts in order to uh, start looking at putting our bids out and we're doing that right now as we speak uh, for summer 23 work so um, we it's a it's a good thing and a bad thing we're, we're excited about getting a jump on it early but it's it's tough because you just don't know if things are going to come so that's kind of the negative side and i'll let matt talk about more on a positive note but the changes yeah when it, it, you know when when jr looks around the country and, and sees a lot of this work being done and he sees you know competition for that labor or competition for that those supplies you know i i really see the opportunity for collaboration the opportunity to to work with others and, and learn with what they're doing um use other districts as as examples of of what went well and what we can even improve on so in some ways i, I feel like we're really in a sweet spot with this project that uh we know there's other districts and there's other schools that have that have started started a lot of this work and started really investing in facilities and and making their their facilities have that educational programming focus maybe more than they have in the past but we're still going to be i think on the forefront of doing this as, as a district-wide initiative um, i think we still have a lot of opportunities to be a leader in this area and so that's that's what excites me is the opportunity to um to take some some work some very good work that other districts and other schools have done um but to do what Indian Prairie often does, take it and make it even better. So, uh, you know, re really excited about about this opportunity that that we have, and, and really excited to get started. Thank you for your time today. It's one I've, I learned a lot from you about your process, and I know that I um, I am like many uh, teachers and administrators that like to see the beautification part of it, but also acknowledge and appreciate all the hard work that goes to keeping our buildings safe and um, orderly and a great learning environment for our students so that they can learn and grow every day. So thank you for your time. Thank you for all you do. You are appreciated. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Candy. Thank you, Brian. We would like to thank JR and Matt for their time today. We appreciate their hard work in the past and present and certainly looking forward to future projects to ensure a safe learning environment for all of our 204 stakeholders. We would like to thank members of our CNI team for their leadership on this topic and extend a special thank you to members of our communications department, Lisa Berry and Emily Bulger, for making the podcast happen. If you have any further questions, please email your questions to curriculum at ipsd.org. We thank you for your time today and hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation.